0: Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open our word, to, open your word to us, and that not just our ears would be open, but our hearts as well. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, I don't get to make it to the five o'clock uh, very often, so I'm uh, really overwhelmed that you would throw out such a welcome for me. And um, I like the sort of TBN motif that we've got going, and I actually have a. Thing of prayer beads that for a small donation, I will be sure to send your way <coughs> to you. No, oh, this, of course, is all for vacation Bible school, and uh, they, they really went for it, uh, and if you think this is something uh, downstairs in the day school, they, they really went for it. Um, <clears throat> but there is something to be said about overstatement. Um, there are times when it's necessary, uh, usually when we say you know, you're overstating or you're overreacting, it's a defense mechanism, and what we're trying to say is whatever it is that you're reacting to really isn't that bad. It's, it's, you're, you're overreacting. And even if you say, oh, they have a tendency to overreact, uh, that's not a good thing. Right? That, that's something that you, that you would uh, hopefully not be called, and you would shy away from, and you would try to keep it in check. And yet in our epistle reading tonight, Paul's letter to the Galatians, uh, Paul is really going for it. You know, it was, if you were to look at any letter from the first or second century, uh, you would find pretty much the same form. Uh, They would greet one another, they would send their greetings, they would uh, have, uh, you know, they would normally say something nice, and then they might get to the point of the letter. And Paul's, if you look at all the rest of Paul's letters, what you find is that he does that. He says, Dear beloved in Christ. And then he normally finds something really good to say about them. I really like your potlucks. Right? <laughs> I, I really like your bookstore. You know, I got the sticker on my 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 cart. It's great. Um, but he doesn't do it when he's writing the Galatians. I mean, so we're just six verses in, and I'm going to read read our epistle reading again to you tonight because uh, well, just the first part. So uh, all he says is, you know, grace and peace to you from God our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Right, what happened to the, how are you? <laughs> um, I miss you. Uh, but he goes straight for the jugular. And why? Is Paul simply overreacting? Is he hypersensitive to certain issues? Uh No, he's not. Because the issue that he's dealing with in the letter to the Galatians is deadly serious. And so he says, I'm astonished. You can also translate as I'm astounded. I find it incomprehensible that you're turning away from the gospel that was preached to you and turning to a false gospel, which is no gospel at all. Now, why is he so upset? Is there some sort of moral lapse in the church? Uh, there are the Galatians uh, up to no good in, uh, in their behavior. You know, one of the curious things is if you get a chance to read Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, there were crazy things happening in the church in Corinth. And that is the understatement of the year. I mean, so everything from believers taking other believers to court to people having relationships that were wholly inappropriate, even in our day and age. And, uh, but not once, Not once did he question whether or not they were Christians. But he does in Galatians. Their fault is not any sort of lapse in moral behavior. But what they've lost is the absolute core of the Christian faith, Jesus Christ, and the message of the gospel. They've not just abandoned a theological position... But they've abandoned a personal and loving God. This is not just Paul saying, you've abandoned my theological position. You've abandoned abandoned my uh, opinion. But you've abandoned the very cornerstone and crux of our faith. And Paul is writing to them in the midst of this crisis. And yet the capitulation in the church where Paul is writing was pretty swift. They kind of went over lock, stock, and barrel. And here's what they went over for. One of the earliest controversies in the church, and heres- one of the earliest heresies, and you can read about it in Acts as well, is the Judaizers. And what it was when the church broke out, there was a party especially rooted in Jerusalem that said, well, if you're going to be a Christian, you still have to maintain all of the Jewish customs and laws. Now, if you went to like, you know, Nazareth Junior High School or if you, you know, had a vacation home in Jericho, like that wasn't that, okay, that's fine. That's, you know, whatever, it's, you know, uh, that's fine. Uh, But what if you're a Greek believer? Uh, What if you're an Ethiopian believer? Uh, What, you know, uh, what then? Because what the Judaizers were saying, oh, well, it's not enough just to believe in Jesus. You actually, if you're a man, you have to be circumcised. You have to keep the the ritual laws. You have to keep the the, the purity laws. You have to do this, that, and the other. And so what they were preaching was not many. uh, There's no indication they were preaching that you didn't need Jesus to be saved. They were preaching that. They said, Jesus is your Savior plus this, plus this, plus this. And Jesus plus anything is not good news. Jesus plus anything is not good news. And so it wasn't just a matter of opinion. It was a wholly different gospel. Now, Paul is not questioning the sincerity of the Judaizers. They were incredibly sincere. They really believed uh, what they were preaching. um, And they were willful in the way that they preached it, even in the face, even in the face of knowing that it was wrong there 's a confrontation that Paul has with Peter over this where it, they found out that what Peter was doing is when Peter would be around the Judaizers he wouldn't eat Saul's barbecue right that's s a w not s a u uh, l he he would he would follow the Jewish but when he was around Gentile believers you know I'll take a little bit more of that thank you and Paul called him out and said now is the gospel the gospel or is it not if Christ has set you free. Are you free indeed? Are you free from that? Is what Jesus came to do something wholly new and something wholly different? Or is Christianity simply Judaism for Gentiles? And Paul says, no. You may preach Christ, but Christ plus anything else is no gospel at all. And what it was causing in the church, not just with the Galatians, but others who were hearing this message, is they became conflicted. They became in turmoil. They didn't understand. They didn't know which way to go. They were troubled. And that is exactly the opposite of what the gospel of Jesus Christ brings. What Jesus Christ brings us in our lives is peace. The assurance of salvation. Even as... simple a faith as the good thief on the cross, where Jesus said to him, What? Surely today you will be with me in paradise. But the Judaizer, even though they know the story, they well, I don't know about that. I know Jesus said it, but I don't know. But what Paul is saying is you can't trust the word of Jesus to the good thief, then what can you trust? And what good is this faith? Well, who are these Judaizers? Well, they were uber-conservative Jewish converts to Christianity who did believe that you would keep the Jewish law even in becoming a Christian. And what gave them such authority and why people wanted to believe them is that they were coming from Jerusalem, right? The mother church, this is a big deal. And so they were authority figures who were coming in and they thought, well, they're coming from Jerusalem. We probably ought to believe them. But Paul is saying... That the message is what validates the messenger, not the other way around. It's the message that validates the messenger. Well, you think that Paul wrote 2,000 years ago-ish. But the same thing's kind of happened today. Now, in our minds right now, we're thinking, well, who are the Judaizers today? Right, and uh, And what we find is that they're not necessarily the conservative conservative folks and they're not necessarily the liberal liberal folks because what they were accusing Paul of is what they what we would call antinomianism when you get to the final exam you've got that answer now so antinomianism and what they accuse Paul of is what we're saying is that if you simply believe in Jesus Christ no matter what you do you'll be saved yes (laughs) that's that's, that's actually what I'm preaching. Naked faith in Jesus Christ. Well, then why, why won't that send people off the deep end? You know, why won't they just sort of get their fire insurance card checked and like, okay, I avoided that one, now I'll go on my merry way. But what Paul knows is that Paul knows the power of the Holy Spirit, that once God the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, there's no getting away from him. And whether you like it or not, God changes your life. And if you're worried about whether or not God is changing your life, that's an indicator that God is changing your life. The person who doesn't worry about that, the person who thinks, well, God's not changing my life, the people who don't care don't think those things. The people who care, who have had God intervene in their life, are the ones thinking and wondering those same exact things. As I said, the Judaizers today fall all across the spectrum. And ironically, they end up being two sides of the same coin. So on the one end, you might have people who you consider very, very conservative, and they'll say things like, if you're a Christian, you will do the following, or you won't do the following. The church I served in Beaufort, South Carolina, where Frank Limehouse was the rector, we we added a new wing to the offices and we decided to put down this beautiful deck around these live oaks, and it was a really great place to come and, and have your lunch. And a lady from uh, a neighboring church came over, and she was visibly upset, and she said, I, "I'd like to speak to one of the clergy, and based upon what she looked like, they're like, "You need to talk to Andrew." And <laughs> So they, they, they sent her in to me, and, um, and she said, "Now I know I know you Episcopalians. You, you don't mind drinking." but I have to draw the line at building a dance floor in the middle of your church. <laughs> well, I, I had to tell her that it, of course, I, 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 just, I thought, should I not tell her? This is pretty good. Maybe I should just let her believe it's a dance floor. But, But you see, there are people who think, oh, if you're a Christian, you're a Christian only because you don't, you have this list of do's and don'ts. And if you follow that list, that's what makes you a Christian. And we might see those people as extra conservative. And yet, if you swing to the... Other end of the spectrum of people who you think might be especially liberal, uh, what you find is that, uh, you know, they say things like, you know, God is open, God is uh, this sort of, I don't know, just loving force, feeling in the world, whatever it might be. But what you find is that the gospel is not conservative and the gospel is not liberal and the gospel is not moderate. The gospel is an equal opportunity offender. Because to the very conservative, when Paul preaches the message that no matter what you do, you'll never make it to heaven because only faith in Jesus Christ will save. And that alone, they say, well, what about, what about my own self-righteousness? And then to the people on the other side of the spectrum, you say that and they'll shrink back and they'll say, well, surely I have to be good enough to get into heaven surely God wouldn't punish anybody. And yet Paul is preaching the same gospel to them. And so they end up being, uh, you know, one of the ironies in all of this is that I have recently uh, been very hard pressed to find someone who's a total libertine, right? Someone who is just totally let the good times roll. I've even looked in New Orleans and I really can't find them. And uh, but what I find across the spectrum, if you want to put people on the spectrum, which is not necessarily a good thing, but for our purposes tonight, um, what I find the biggest issue is that amongst all of them, regardless of their stripe, is a sense of inherent self-righteousness. That they want to be able to have a part to play. They want to be able to have a role to play. And when you say you're not going to be judged on your merits, that actually all that is needed is faith in Jesus Christ, there's a little bit of a shrinking back there. Uh, what they find is that it is offensive. And when Paul preaches this message, if you're broken, if you know the depths of your own brokenness and your own humanity, there is not a sweeter message in the world than to hear that simple faith in Jesus Christ is enough to save you even now. But if you're not there, It's not uh, the sweetest message in the world. And yet these poor Galatians uh, were stuck in this thing. And Paul wanted them to know that your peace, your lives in Jesus Christ are at stake because you're believing in another gospel. And we all fall prey to it. Hell, you know? I don't know about you, but when I was in college... Well, I'm sorry. When I was in college uh, and I had a group project... I was the guy who would look at the group and say, "Y'all don't do anything. I've got it." <laughs> right? I, I didn't want anybody else to be judged with me. I wanted to be able to have total control over the thing. So even if I got a B, at least I could say, "Well, it's on me." But if the whole group did it and we got a B, I'd start looking at other people, be like, "B because of, right? be of you." Right? And and to this day, ask my wife. I have a very hard time asking anybody for help. For the smallest, smallest of things. I have a friend who's a doctor, and he said, you know, if the world were only populated by men, we'd only need two doctors in the world. And I think that's true. Y'all, did, I thought that was very funny. <laughs> Patrick's laughing because he's a doctor. So, <laughs> So I, in my own self, am inherently geared toward wanting to save myself, to be self-sufficient. And if I were to hear an authority figure in the church to say, All you really need to do to get right with God is try a little bit harder or to do this or to do that. That's appealing to me. That sounds really good to me. And yet, my heart cries out, is it ever enough? Is it ever enough? How do I know I've done enough to get right with God? And what St. Paul tells the Galatians and tells us tonight is you can never do enough. But hold fast to that which is true and treat that other gospel, which is no gospel at all, Jesus plus anything, as anathema. It can also be translated as to turn away in horror, away from it. For that gospel not only doesn't have the power to save you, but it will actually have the power to condemn and burden you. And so tonight... Uh, whether you're like me who often goes through life with swan syndrome or on top of the water you look beautiful and gracious but underneath you're paddling like crazy just to stay afloat give up give up holding out hope and believing in a false gospel and put your trust in Jesus Christ and don't be troubled but experience that peace which surpasses all understanding overreaction yes but for all the right reasons Amen.